Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. McGurk! I Do love typing. Do not mess with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you <laughs> like it? It's being, becoming a human burrito, a plus or a minus. I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom. Because <laughs> she looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series, or in this case, back in 2016, CBS's Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are live and wired on the Supergirl Radio Facebook page and the DC TV podcast YouTube channel to go back in time. For maybe the last time, maybe there will be a rewind in the future. I don't know. But for right now, uh, this will be our, our final time in the rewind of season one, discussing the 20th and final episode of season one titled Better Angels. If you are in, uh, interested in listening to Supergirl Radio's original discussion from season one, uh, the link should be in the video description below the live stream and will be in the audio podcast show notes. And uh, Morgan, we don't really have any news for this uh, week, this time around. No. So I guess we shall just uh, go ahead and get in the Legion Cruiser, you know, buckle in. Got to buckle up you as got, always. You got to buckle up. First. Yes. So, uh, so we are going to buckle up and go back to, uh, what is the date? Uh, is that April 18th? That can't be right. Is that right? Mm, that doesn't that seems seem right. pretty early. That, to... seem, that seems wrong. I might yeah. have that wrong. Or did the Arrowverse Wiki have it wrong? Twist. They say April 18th, 2016. Now, now I'm hesitating in my Google Doc. Now I have to go look this up. Now I have to... Has uh, the Arrowverse I'm, Wiki I'm also us? seeing uh, April 18th, 2016. You know, that's Google. <laughs> that seems right, because our, our original episode uh, from season one, uh, we published that on April 20th, 2016. So I guess I'm sorry for the uh, uh, the way in which I have disrespected the Airverse wiki for possibly being wrong. They are, <laughs> they are correct. <laughs> they are correct. This episode originally aired on April 18th, 2016. So let's go back to that date and uh, talk about the finale. All right, so we are now back in April. Uh, April, what? what is it? April 18th? 18th. <laughs> How did you forget the day, Rebecca? I, you know, I mean, it has been so uh, long ago or not long enough, I guess. We're in the present, we're in the past. I don't know. We're Let's we're talk. in all the places. <laughs> Let's talk about the episode. So this is the season one finale uh, called Better Angels. And this is the official description of the episode. Quote, Supergirl is forced to do battle with an unexpected foe and must risk everything, including her life, 
to prevent non and indigo from destroying every person on the planet, unquote, Whoa. with headaches, apparently, is the uh, the ultimate downfall of humanity is just really bad headaches. So, Listen, bad headaches are no joke. They can be crippling. Uh, so uh, imagine what they uh, do if they are driven by myriad so i guess uh that's kind of later on the in the episode so let's uh kind of start off uh, off at the top so we're continuing the supergirl versus alex fight which was teased at the end of uh the penultimate episode so uh morgan what did you think how did how did you think that went down uh in in how it uh resolved itself i thought that the fight was really awesome um i thought it was really interesting because obviously she, Alex has a kryptonite sword. And she's got kryptonite on her armor. So that kind of takes away Kara's advantage. So then it just kind of becomes like Alex versus Kara. And like as big as a Supergirl fan as I am, like Alex has kind of spent like years of her life. Who knows how many <laughs> time uh, really works in kind of like a pocket dimension vortex for Alex Danvers <laughs> in terms of like her age and what she's accomplished. So she's <laughs> she spent a, a question mark amount of years like, you know, training and like getting her fight skills up to par. And like Carr has been doing this for like about a year. And she did like one sparring match with Alex and she was like, I'm good. Yeah, I got uh, it. Yeah, I got it. So, I mean, I think that, like, <clears throat> if you took away Supergirl's powers from Kara and you're just, like, fight your sister, Kara's going down hard. <laughs> and I think <laughs> and we see that in this fight, which I thought was was uh, was good because I think that's kind of realistic if you take away all of her powers and you give uh, Alex a kryptonite sword and kind of put them on not even, a, like, a level playing field. Like, Alex has a little bit of an advantage. Like, yeah, Alex is probably going to take that one so i thought the, like it was very you know it was a little edgier seat because you're like how is she gonna get out of this one and it turns out just like getting a uh, pep talk from her mom it's like her mom comes and she's like alex danvers don't you dare stab your sister <laughs> you talked about this do we know what alex's middle name is because you know how like know. moms like when they, oh yeah when like they're alex really Marie serious danvers yeah. <laughs> When they're really serious, they, they say you're You put name. that knife down and you stop killing your <laughs> sister. <laughs> yeah, uh, Alex at one point, I think, cuts Kara. Uh, Supergirl yeah. gets like a, the, the blade on her. So it's pretty serious. Uh, Supergirl tried to, I think, <laughs> eventually get to the, the point where she's like, I'm not going to hit you. I'm not going to fight you, but I'm going to try to bend this big steel bar. <laughs> that was my favorite. Around and then, like, you Alex, and like, stop you. It off she's like get yeah. off of that with, <laughs> with this she's like I'll, if i can just wrap you up on this you will stop trying to fight me um so i enjoyed that now i i had a thought this time around that i did not have in the first well i mean i've seen this episode many times but the first discussion i think that we had i don't i don't remember having this thought maybe if i went back and listened to the episode i'd be like oh i just copied myself again but i this this feels like a new thought that i had that uh for Helen Slater to play Eliza Danvers coming into the scene and sort of hope speeching Alex out of wanting to kill Kara, I thought was very fitting because it's like yeah. she was giving a Supergirl hope speech. You're right. She was. She was like, Alex, you just you just got to hope <laughs> <laughs> your father, your father and I, we believed in you so much. Y you you wouldn't believe it, but one day your father, he turned to me and he said, if I ever go missing, 
and one of my only one of my daughters can find me. <laughs> I know that it's going to be Alex, and I know she would never stop looking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i feel like that just that snapped her out she was like oh dad uh-oh it's it's kind of like you sometimes like you know you're you're thinking about something else or you're like kind of like sad and then you remember like the one thing you have to do and you're like ah like you sit up <laughs> and you're like oh no i forgot to i I never sent that person a happy birthday or you like remember i, I got i forgot the card uh she sort of snapped out of her murderous rage by being like right I was gonna look for my dad. Why do I keep forgetting about this? And uh, spoiler alert, won't be the first time. No, uh, Jeremiah is gonna be forgotten quite a bit. But I just, I just like that. You know, Helen Slater played Supergirl, so for her to deliver a Supergirl hope speech, I thought was very fitting. And then, not too long after that, Supergirl, our our Supergirl of the show, she goes to give a hope speech. Not not too long after that. And what I thought was really funny about the Helen Slater bits in this episode is that so Supergirl uh, goes into the beat up uh, television studio or radio studio. I don't know what it was. They had television cameras there, but it sort of seemed like I don't know. So it was an old broadcast television studio, I guess. But uh, she has a clipboard. Was she she was like carrying a clipboard while she was in the studio with Supergirl. So my question was, and this is something I don't think I had thought about before. Was she helping Supergirl draft the hope speech? I like that. She was like, no, no, Cora, you're doing such a great job. Have you mentioned that they need to hope, though? (laughs) Um, I know in the like the previous sentence, you said you have to hope. But what if in this sentence you said don't? lose hope like <laughs> that's like a different it's like a different one and she's like yeah okay mom i'm like taking it i'm taking it down i'm taking <laughs> it down she's like the original draft of the speech she like said hope like twice and then and then eliza's like you gotta get it in more than that like they're not <laughs> gonna know what this speech is about if you don't say it <laughs> yeah so i know they were under a crunch time but i, I feel like they could have gone through a couple more drafts <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that was the one. Eliza's like, no, I feel it. This is the one. And, and Carr's just like, I'm not arguing with my mom. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I thought that was funny that she, like, why was she carrying around the clipboard if not to help write the speech? I, that It's the only thing that makes sense to me. So I, now I don't know if I like it where like, I, it, it is one thing if Supergirl is just sort of improvising. And she's speaking from the heart. But if it's this, uh, you know, she's got a speechwriter back there who's given her the words. I don't know. Maybe they also had to, like, strategize about how to communicate through the myriad thing. Maybe saying hope a lot is what would, like, break through it. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. It was like, oh, Helen Slater, I think her uh, Eliza Danvers also helped contribute to the hope speech. <laughs> because she was in there. She was she was working it. I guess that makes sense because she's the one who knew how to get through out to Alex and Alex broke free of it. So she's like, I've already done it once. I feel like I can help you do it again. I feel like Eliza's like some of her edits were like, mention that one time that your father told. And she's like, no, no. <laughs> It worked on Alex because she knows dad. Like, they don't know dad. And she's like, all right. Well, like, I guess, like, maybe just, like, have a quote or something. Like, don't don't attribute it, but no, it's your, your father. Said it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. She's, like, striking it out. Gotcha, mom. Gotcha. Yeah. 
<laughs> I love the idea of her like desperate. Like there's there's not a there's not a lot of time left, and like the the city's going down, and and her mom is like, I just think, sweetheart, that you should just say it with like a little more pizzazz. <laughs> <laughs> she becomes a, like a stage mom, like a stage mom. She's like, just wait, let's take it one more time from the top, <laughs> but this time give me energy. <laughs> like really unlock something about Eliza that she didn't she didn't realize was in there. Really, she had gone into the science field, but really, I think she was an entertainment arts uh, person. So she really, I think, went into the wrong uh, <laughs> career path. Uh, New Rachel makes a good point. Uh, we have all three Supergirls in this episode. Ooh. So not only do we have Eliza Danvers, we have Laura Vandervoort. So we will talk about Indigo. R.I.P. Indigo, uh, but we will get, we will get there uh, when we talk about her. I, I think this is a, f- a funny comment from the chat. Uh, C.M. Gutierrez said, if you think about it, the third Kara, Laura Vanderhoor, uh, Hope speeched non to going to the Myriad Plan B. She was like, don't give up. We can still use Myriad this time for more of a like a light murder <laughs> but uh but global don't just, murder yeah don't just throw away your all your hopes and dreams <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny so the supergirls really delivering the hope speeches in this episode some more positive uh some more <laughs> negative um but morgan what do you thought what do you think about the fact that the hope speech gets everybody out initially i mean they they solved it in about the first 10 minutes yeah, of the yeah. episode everybody sees the supergirl s shield they snap out of it hope 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 um so what what do you what do you think about that all that do you do, does it make sense that it's like a certain part of your brain that connects no, to hope and optimism that was turned the whole off. section of your brain <laughs> listen i'm not a scientist so i'm i can't pretend to like understand all of the like the stuff that maxwell lord like uh just dropped in the episode like exposition dropped very very quickly but i i imagine by the uh the amount of uh, how fast he got through that dialogue that it's probably not something that would hold up like he was <laughs> clearly powering through because he was like don't think about don't think about don't think about it makes sense right makes sense (laughs) i don't know that we have a hope portion of our brain i don't think that's fact but um sure sure with the like how they resolve this i also don't know how they got everybody's cell phone to light up with the supergirl uh, or superman or house of l symbol also, I don't know that that would mean a lot to everyone. Like, like, what if you were just kind of like, yeah, Supergirl's all right, right? Like, well, yeah, super, Supergirl's fine. And then you get like the like the Supergirl symbol symbol on your phone, and you're just like, okay. But it's not so much the symbol; it's the words. It's Eliza's, you know, draft of poetic <laughs> language that really sells it. I think. Yeah, I thought. I mean. I will say this becomes something of a motif in the series where um, Kara solves the uh, end of the season problem by staring into a camera somewhere and just giving a hope speech. And like by the time that she gives her sixth or sixth hope speech, she's got it pretty down. Honestly, she's not putting a lot of heart and soul into it anymore. <laughs> it's, it's kind of by the numbers at that point. I will say she doesn't need a lies anymore. <laughs> She doesn't need lies anymore. She's like, Mom, I can write my own hope speeches. Like, <laughs> they have been killing once per year. Um, I think this one worked the best for me because 
it was a, a new novel idea. Um, and we had kind of seen her use sort of her power of like positive thinking and optimism and like belief in people to, you know, overcome obstacles before. So for season one, like, yes, do I think it's a little bit like, you know, we all believe and everybody believes together and like, you know, we'll all do it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But I, I will say that they did have the second like backup issue backup problem where she had to you know first she uses her optimism and then she uses her big old muscles to fly something out into space uh so it it worked for me in this finale i will say it like the returns on the host speech began diminishing from this point on like i feel like uh, a hope speech that beams into everyone's living room is a thing you really only can do once. It's hokey <laughs> the first time. It's not going to get less cheesy. It is only going to get more cheesy. Like I'll, I'll, I'll go with you for that ride on the first one, but by the fifth, I'm like, come on guys, like a different way to solve these problems. Yeah. Uh, I, I do like the balance of, like you mentioned, she is, an active participant in the action by the end of it, where she's like the only way to get Myriad out because the, the hope speech was a temporary solution. Non and Indigo decided, okay, we can't brainwash these people. We're just going to kill everybody. Uh, and so that is when Myriad becomes really serious because everything gets uh, progressively worse with their, their headaches. And she has to physically remove Fort Roz because that's where the signal is coming from. And she has to fly it out into space, actually risking her life. There are consequences to being out there. So I actually really appreciate that. It wasn't just she solved it by looking into a camera. She did uh, play an active role in uh, the solving of the problem. And that's partially because nobody else could do it. Superman is still out for the count. <laughs> this is when we see his infamous boots in uh the deo and so uh it's only something i i think it is kind of stupid in a way because they don't make a good enough excuse as to why superman is out they for the don't. count no but don't. i do appreciate making supergirl the only one who can save the day i do appreciate that uh, i wish they had made that a little better um because it's like well myriad's fixed but Superman, for some reason, we don't know why, he's still not able, he's, he hasn't snapped out of it. You would think that Kara's hope speech could snap him out of it, but it do, it doesn't work on Superman for some reason. No, he's like, I've heard this from you. <laughs> this doesn't do anything for me. If I was Kara at the end, I would have like, I am been like, oh, so my speech isn't good enough for you? Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 I'll see you at Christmas. <laughs> Slams the laptop down. <laughs> Yeah, so she is actually the only one who can save the day. Now, I do uh, have a lot of questions about uh, the pod and Alex being able to uh, pilot it up there. Mm -hmm. So, Morgan, I'm, I'm curious, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Um, so I had many, 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 many questions about that. Um, first off, how did she pilot it? How did she know how to pilot it? 
Um, it's alien technology, and the only Kryptonian is Kara, and she's in space. Uh, so who 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 told her that? Maybe Kara had like written a manual or something, just in case of emergencies. <laughs> These are the beep bop boops that you hit. Um, yeah, my my for some reason, I bought her flying the pod into space i don't know why it didn't occur to me like how does she know how to drive this thing i was like of course she does she's alex danvers <laughs> where i kind of got it lost was like she didn't seem to have any kind of like protective gear on like like an astronaut helmet yeah yeah so i was like well when first off how does she get car into the pod to go back home is if she's opening up what only looks like there's like one thing that opens up which is like the the top or like even a side door like isn't the depressurization going to be a problem for her the <laughs> lack of oxygen going to be a problem for her how did she did she just fish her out of the sky like what how did this maybe maybe it, maybe it was like a like a you know maybe like something came out of the ship and just kind of grabbed maybe. onto her like those like those things that um you know, just like you, the like a gosh upon, yeah, like like a little uh, one of those games where you can use the pinchers to get the stuffed animals out. Could you? Maybe uh, now I'm now I'm mad that. that we didn't see that whole scene where she's like trying to get Kara, but the pincher, missing. The pincher won't quite close enough, and then Kara goes spinning off in the space, and she's like, "All right, all right, no one more time, and then one more dollar. It's all I need." She gets, she finally gets card. She's like, yeah. Um, I feel like that was a missing scene. Um, but yeah, I felt like I had like a lot of questions about like, well, how'd she get her in the ship? That that pod is not very big is my no. issue. It's like, it's, it looks like it's big enough for like an Alex Danvers. I also think that like the mental image of like, it's not really big enough for like two full grown women. So like uh, Cara, Alex was probably like trying to maneuver it while like Cara was like on her lap or something. So she's just <laughs> like, oh my God, if she could just move her head. <laughs> I buy it to the extent that I'm sure the DEO has studied the pod. They have it in the DEO. So the, the, they probably have had some scientists go in there and study it all. So I think that that's, that's something that I can buy. Maybe it has like an autopilot function, maybe Kellex. Maybe they somehow contacted Kellex and he was able to like <laughs> remotely uh, remotely drive it. So I, I, it's a little silly, but I mean, you can justify it, I think. I, I do like this headcanon from CM Gutierrez who says, I always thought that Alex bumped Kara back into the Earth's atmosphere, like playing soccer with her. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? Just like boop, boop, boop. <laughs> but how would you do that, though? Wouldn't she just like float away? You would need something to like push her down, right? Yeah, I would think so. Even if you could get her. Also, like she would just be plumbing to Earth unconscious, like a like a projectile. Like wouldn't she do? <laughs> What, like that, a, a meteorite like coming a meteorite. down like wouldn't that first off wouldn't that really hurt when she woke up the next morning like oh why does ever like why does my body hurt and alex is like you don't want to hear about the small village you destroyed when you <laughs> landed <laughs> i don't know i think i think my claw uh, theory? I think the claw theory is solid i think it checks out i really i think that is the only way that checks off all the boxes where Alex can breathe in the pod and a Supergirl doesn't have to get in there, but she's still attached and they can, they can go down. I think and like, I'm, and now when Supergirl goes to the boardwalk, for some reason, she just can't play the claw games and she's not <laughs> sure why. She's like, Oh my God, I don't know why, but this makes me very anxious. <laughs> 
Now, one thing about this episode that I had kind of forgotten was the fact that Kara goes around to everyone she knows and starts saying goodbye to them as if she is going to die. She believes that she might be going up into space and that she that will be her end. She will die. So she's going around to say her goodbyes to Cad and to Wynn and to James. Uh, so, uh, Morgan, what are your thoughts about that? I mean, as like a storytelling maneuver, I thought it was really good. It, like it allowed us to kind of like reconnect with the characters that she's closest to. We got some flashbacks to earlier in the season and, you know, why she's like so close to these characters, Wynn and, and James and Kat and, and everybody um, and, and John. In a practical sense, she knew that that everybody's heads were going to explode in four hours. In four hours, yeah. And she spent like... I'd say 90% of that um, at work eating donuts and like going on a, a goodbye tour. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. And maybe I'm harsh, but shouldn't you be do- get on this? Shouldn't you be on this? Because it's so she funny. She changed. She changed into work appropriate clothing and went yes. to CACO. I went to CACO and was like talking to people. I was like, well, now it's three hours, 59, lady, come yeah. on. Uh, and it's so funny because, like, when we get to the fight with um, with Non and Indigo, almost immediately there's only five minutes until everyone's head explodes. <laughs> and I was like, first off, you and I, we all know this is not how time works because that fight, even some of the conversations she was having with people were not five minutes long. Like, she went way over. Everybody's head should have like been exploding left, right. It should have been very upsetting to watch <laughs> on CBS. Um, but yeah, I was like, well, yeah, of course you only have five minutes now. You spent a lot of time breaking up with James. <laughs> that was time you could have been you could have been problem solving. And the the fight between non uh, non and Indigo and Supergirl and Martian Manhunter it didn't last that long. They could have no. knocked that out in 15 I minutes. <laughs> so they, they were they were kind of uh, going around uh, wasting a lot of time. Um, I think it is interesting. Lindsay points out in the chat, did anyone notice Carr didn't have any final words for Eliza? Ooh, scandalous. Yeah. Um, I will say she also didn't do any final words for Alex because she was like, if I have to say goodbye to Alex, like I'm not going to want to leave. She still did communicate with Alex right before she when it, right with right before rest. it seemed like it was yeah. lights out. Yeah, she was like, hey, so sorry. I didn't, like, we didn't have a chance to do the whole heart-to-heart. Let's do it now. And Alex is like, I mean, in 30 seconds, my head is going to explode. But if you <laughs> want it to do it now, I guess we could do it now. <laughs> but, uh, but to Lindsay's point about Eliza, Supergirl does talk to Alex about Jeremiah. And that she has all these thoughtful things to say about, you know, if you, whenever you find him, tell... Tell him that the, I still wear the the glasses that he made for me and all this kind of stuff. And I was oh, like, oh, my God, you're right. Uh, well, it, you know, it seemed like a Supergirl was really um, very emo- like emotionally connected to Jeremiah, which I thought was interesting. And maybe that's because yeah. they were trying to play up the storyline that Alex was going to find her father. But yeah, I mean, they were clearly they were clearly leaning on like, this is going to be the big thing next year. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and they should you should have been worried about it. It's not <laughs> the big thing next year. But yeah, like anything to Eliza and then and then give Eliza a thumbs up for me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for all the wonderful years of being my mom. <laughs> and, oh, no. 
and oh, did it cut speech, off? No one heard that. Writer, speech Speechwriter and, 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 and proofreader. Uh, <laughs> tell my mom thanks for that sick speech. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, she did uh, try to talk to everybody before she went. And uh, Kat Grant, I thought was interesting when she talked to Kat. Kat uh, sort of saw it as like a suicide note. Uh, and that's kind of, I mean, not not entirely what it was like, but Supergirl thought she was going to die. And so um, it wasn't necessarily a eulogy for Kat, but it was, you know, Carr thinking she was about to meet her end. So Kat was pre- pretty perceptive in that way. Kat kind of knows what's up. Yeah, yeah. Kat was like, I mean, well, I, I feel like anytime somebody like just walks into like a room that you're in without any kind of preamble and it's just like, did you ever know that you're and you're like, what is happening here? Like, why are you saying so many nice things about me? What's going on? Like, I would have also been like immediately suspicious in a way that Wynn wasn't. He just was like, yeah, compliments are sick. Uh, <laughs> Well, but like from, from Wynn's perspective, though, he always wanted Carr to say some nice things to him. That's true. And he he just appreciated the nice gestures, whereas Kat was like, "What's going on?" What's <laughs> <up with> <laughs> um, and uh, let's see. New Rachel in the chat says, "I'm still bitter that jo- uh, Jean ripped Indigo in half, and she still never got brought back when the show brought in another Brainiac." So. As a reminder, if people have forgotten, uh, Indigo is Brainiac 8. So she is a Brainiac tied to Brainiac 5 in that way. Um, And so I do think that it's a missed opportunity not to have the Brainiacs together. But uh, she clearly uh, got ripped in half, which is not... She could be put back together. I think they could have fixed her. Maxwell Lord could have fixed her up, probably. But she did sort of... uh, I don't want to say die because she's mostly like electronic, but I think like her system or whatever shut off. Like she faded out. I really want it. Like when you see that, like, like half of her is in one place and half of her is in the other place. I really wanted her to be like crawling back to her other half to be like, I'm going to put myself back together. Don't you? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she did get like her final last like villain uh, line in there, which I really appreciate it. But like, yeah, I would have loved it if she was just like like shoving her like halves of her body back together while she was doing that. That would have been hilarious. I, I would have liked a more open ended ending for her. Like, is she still out there? Do we know? Um, so I'm kind of sad that they. It seemed like she did die. Yeah, I see. Um, I see a question from Aaron who says, "If Cat knew she's uh, Supergirl, how did she not find that last talk more concerning?" <laughs> That's a good question, because we've debated that all throughout the season. But I don't know. I feel like Kat, Kat maybe sensed that something was serious, but I get. I, I think she knew she would be fine. Like, I think Kat probably thought Carl would be fine. I think that's probably true to, as well. I think... I think I'm all totally on board with, like, the Kat knew the whole time train. And I think that, like... Honestly, it's more concerning if she's not Supergirl. She just like randomly like walks into your office and is like, I just want you to know in case I don't tell you again in the future that you are have been like a mentor to me. Like, then it's like, what's happening with you? Like, what's going, <laughs> what's going on? Whereas if she's Supergirl, like she's like facing down death every other week. Like, yeah, that's kind of an old hat thing. That felt like a very cat thing to do where she barely looks up and she's just like, okay. 
Well, that, did, didn't that happen in World's Finest where uh, Kara like fell out the Catco window and later on Cat doesn't even address yeah. it? Cat doesn't even get, oh, you're alive. She's yeah. like, very casual about it. So I, I could really see it as being the same thing where she's like, oh my God, Kira is so dramatic. <laughs> just save the day already. Don't make a whole song and dance about it. Yeah, I think if anything, it just reinforces the fact that maybe she knows. I often wonder, because I think some of our listeners have pointed out that at certain points of season one, the writer said, no, she doesn't know. But I think Callista played it as if she did. Definitely. Even if they didn't intend it in the writing, I think Callista played it that way. That That's how I kind of took it, too. And then I think, you know, looking at it from like a perspective of having a seen a little bit more of the show and and later on she she just kind of already knows the secret i can definitely see like i think that makes a better case for like well yeah she like always knew the secret like of course she did because like the next time when she pops up later in the future she's like oh yeah i knew you were supergirl yeah well and i guess while we're here on talking about cat and Kara, there was a big moment in this episode uh, even rewatching it for this uh, rewind episode, it it kind of shocked me because it it always kind of uh, it makes me go, oh, that was good. And it's the moment where she turns around and looks at Kara and she says her name correctly for the first time. She doesn't call her Kira. She doesn't call her Kara. She calls her Kara. And that still, I think, holds up as a great moment in the episode. Um, so, Morgan, what do you think about uh a, her knowing how to pronounce her name. Maybe she always did. I don't know. Uh, and then B, uh, what, what do you think about Kat giving her an office? Yeah, I love that moment in the show. I love her uh, pronouncing Kara's name right. Because I think she probably kind of always knew uh, what how to pronounce Kara's name and was just kind of doing it on purpose. Uh, power to, play? Just a power play. Uh, but also I think she just like at some point was just like, Oh, it's fun to mess with this girl. Uh, <laughs> just, it was like, you know, she's like, I'm, I'm so busy and I have to get my joy in the small ways and at <laughs> other people's expense when I can. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I loved that moment with, uh, with Kat and, and Kara and her saying like, you've been a great assistant, which is just fundamentally not true. <laughs> and <laughs> And basically giving her kind of like the keys of the kingdom and saying like, I'm going to give you an office. I'm going to give you a promotion. You, you let me know what you want to do next. Like, where do you want to take your career? And I think that's so, so cool. And so interesting, uh, like a direction. Uh, If I was Cara, I'd be way more mad about her being like, it's going to be the same money, but like, Obviously, you're getting more responsibility. Be like, excuse me, I'm that's not how that more works. Money as well, yeah. <laughs> but but I did like you know that she uh, she got an office and it was uh, honestly a huge office, but it has no windows, so it's like a little tomb downstairs that she got. <laughs> well, Kat uh, which, did say that windows could be coming. If exactly, she cards right. That's what she's got. That's what she's got to work for is getting a window, being able to see what time it is outside, <laughs> but, or possibly more importantly. Opening up the window so she can fly out. See, I think Kat, I, I, I think had that's another piece of evidence. I think that Cat knows. She knows she, that Kara needs a window. She's like, it's going to be a lot harder to get out there now. So maybe you'll have to like, I don't know, reveal yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So I had a question um, for you, Morgan, because I think when the first time we discussed this, I had not watched Working Girl. 
And I was curious because I, I did. Have also I did not watched Working Girl. Okay, so I watched it for this discussion, for this rewind discussion, because I wanted to know what were the similarities. And so I was curious if you had also watched it because I've heard about Working Girl my whole life. It was a big movie in the eighties. It was you know uh, like a like a, a pretty popular movie. It was kind of I don't want to say it wasn't groundbreaking, but it was a pretty famous movie. From the 1980s. And I watched it. And there are some similarities where um, Melanie Griffith's character is the uh, assistant to Sigourney Weaver's character. So Sigourney Weaver is this like high powered stockbroker something or other. I don't really know what they did. (laughs) (laughs) Something about stocks and deals or whatever. Um, So Sigourney Weaver is this high-powered executive, and Melanie Griffith plays Tess, who is her assistant. And by the end of the episode, or the end of the movie, I don't want to spoil it for people, but it is, you know, probably close to 40 years old. I don't know exactly when in the 80s it came out. Um, but at the end of the film, Sigourney Weaver's uh, character gets in a little bit of trouble, and uh, Tess has been doing these deals while Sigourney Weaver's character is... Uh, out with her leg broken and all this kind of stuff. And so Melanie Griffith sort of takes over and she becomes the executive while Sigourney Weaver's not there. So she's getting deals done. And she's, uh, she kind of, <laughs> she sort of has an affair, I would say, because oh. there's, there's a whole like drama in the film where uh, Sigourney Weaver's character is wanting to get married to Harrison Ford's character. Well, Harrison Ford's character is not really into it. And so he meets Melanie Griffith and um, they spark up a romance. Um, So anyway, it's a whole thing. Um, But by the end of the film, Tess, the former assistant who had started the film as the assistant, uh, ended up with her own office, with her own assistant. And so she became... Of course, by the end of the film, she became the new Sigourney Weaver. So that's that sort of uh, working girl in a nutshell. Hopefully all that made sense. So I can see the similarities to it that um, in working girl, she, you know, at the end of it, she gets her office and it's kind of a big deal for her because she had not achieved that kind of success before. And so here in the Supergirl season one finale, Kara has gotten the the office and um, has been an assistant. So she's kind of in that same sort of test position. So I thought the similarities were good. And I, and and now I'm wondering if that was the intention the whole time. If, if I could ask Allie Adler some questions, I would be like, okay, so working girl, is that how you started the season? Was that your pitch for what car was going to be? Like how you were going to portray her? Was she going to be the Melanie Griffith? Um, in this show. <clears throat> so I don't know. I thought it was interesting. I, uh, although I did not think working girl was that great. <laughs> like it was okay. It was, it was fine. Um, it's one of those things where I've like, I've heard the name, but it, it's not exactly like a cultural touchstone for me. Uh, or I think a lot of people. So I was like, Oh, okay. I assume that the, you know, somebody gets an office in Working Girl at the end, but that's all I knew about it. Yeah. And in the scene, they talk about, um, Carr says, uh, the end of Working Girl always makes me cry. And now that I've seen it, I'm like, why? She's not in an emotional ending. 
Maybe I'm just a cold-hearted person, but I was like, why? She finally did it. She climbed that corporate ladder. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Most of those characters are just miserable people. I, I didn't really – and not to say – I mean, the film was good. I, You know, you you can watch a film and say that it was good and still not like it. Like, it's yeah, still right. – it's like, it's like eh, all right, sure. <laughs> it was well-made. I did not care for it. Um, so, uh, see Daryl put working girl on my list of, of uh, movies that I need to watch at some point. I think in order to understand that scene with the office on on Supergirl, I think you have to watch, maybe, maybe we should do that. Maybe we should watch a working working, working girl. That could be, that would be fun. I love, (laughs) I love a good eighties movie and I assume the shoulder pads are like (gasps) linebacker. Oh, the Hi. hair it's not it's not it's <gasps> not the shoulder pads it's the hair it's the Morgan, hair the hair i always <laughs> say that i missed my decade because my hair gets so poofy and in the 80s i would have killed it i would have killed it i would have been the coolest girl around everybody had been like how does she get that volume and i'll be like i don't know bad genetics <laughs> but no no i i grew up in a different time when that wasn't super cool <laughs> oh my gosh the hair really the, i'm gonna i'm gonna show you a picture i'm just gonna set this up and i'm gonna get your honest reaction so this is joan cusack who is like a national treasure she's a fantastic love joan cusack joan cusack is great in everything she, she's ever been in um and i just want to show you some pictures if i can pull it up of Joan Cusack's hair. I, in- I, I'm really excited to see it. Because <laughs> 80s, 80s hair was just sort of its own thing. Like it had its own life. It had its own well, zip code almost. See, this this hairstyle I thought was only in the South. And so to see oh. and so to see this in like uh I think Daryl says this was 1988 when it came out to see the to see these hairstyles in 1988 New York City was a real shocker for me. So uh so let me try to see if I can pull up Joan Cusack from Working Girl. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. So I don't know if you can see Whoa, this. Oh, so much I'm- is happening. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow, wow. Wow. Um, it is big. It is feathered. <laughs> it is feathered up and then away. But also, it is also protecting. It protect, it attack. Uh, <laughs> it's sort of like framing her face, but also it's uh, it's got sort of its own its own gravity, its own geography. Um, God, it's so beautiful. Um, <laughs> so much is happening there with that hair. It's she's like a she's like a proud lion. <laughs> uh, with that, with that, um, the makeup also. Can we just take a moment? Yeah, just I wish I could make second. this bigger for you, but um, but <laughs> just but hopefully you can see the eyeshadow. Admire <laughs> what is going on with the eyeshadow because nothing says I am a professional working girl like <laughs> blue eyeshadow, and not just blue eyeshadow. It's like blue. There's like that. It's like a eyeshadow mullet. It's there's like a party in the blue spot, and then it just kind of fades out to like. I don't know, like a, a dark brown or like a red at the corners. She she looks both like um like a clown, but like an evil one, <laughs> like an evil clown. It's what they did to Joan Cusack in this movie. <laughs> it should be illegal, um, but I love it. <laughs> Let me see if I can pull up a bigger picture of that. How much hairspray do you think that she used? Oh yeah, like, that's, that's better. That's a little. Oh bigger. my god! Oh my god! I I I forgot to mention when mentioning 
the eyeshadow. I, I really overlooked the lipstick. Um, <laughs> you, usually what they say is like a rule of thumb is that you want to go bold like one place, right? When you're doing your makeup. Oh, so like yeah. a bold eye or a bold lip both gives you a, a clown a clown aspect that you don't usually, you're not usually going for. But Joan Cusack was like, give me the clown. Go, <laughs> let's go full clown on this. Can the hair be higher? Can the earrings be bigger? <laughs> okay, There's a see. lot happening. Let me so see if I can happening. find Melanie Griffith, just, just for comparison. We're, we're really sidetracking here. but This I, is important to me. <laughs> <laughs> but since you had not watched it. This is what the people come here for. <laughs> <laughs> um, Boardroom or ballroom uh, working girl okay. is, is what we're here for. Okay, so just to compare. So that's Joan Cusack, who was a working girl. She worked, she w- she worked in an office. So just keep that in mind. So here is... Yes. Here is Melanie Griffith from the same movie. So this this is her wow. her look oh, no. when she starts off. Oh God, why <laughs> why why were the eighties so much like? Hey, how big can you get the top of your hair? And somebody was like, oh, like the bottom too. And they're like, no, just the top, <laughs> just the top. We want like a weird illusion, like like you're carrying around your own halo at all times. Like, <laughs> well, I don't really understand what's happening here. The hair has sort of a, a life of its own. It's so far off of the top of her head. And then when it gets down to her shoulders, it becomes normal hair again. So it's like, it's not even a mullet. And yet that's the only word I can use to describe <laughs> like what's happening. It's very... It's a lot. It was this couldn't have been popular in the eighties, right? That's every, almost that every almost every woman in this movie no. looks like that. <laughs> this is eighty eight too. You think <laughs> you would think like the nineties were just around the corner? <laughs> she was okay. so close to having avoided this. <laughs> okay, to be fair to Melanie Griffith, because we've been we've been dragging her <laughs> a little bit. She does. There is a transformation. That happens to Tess in the film. She she stops being the assistant and she sort of schemes her way to the top and starts making deals while her boss is out. Oh, yeah. And making money moves. So so she then uh, starts to look like this. She gets her hair cut. Okay. She's wearing business suits. So she she does change her look. Okay, I'm on I'm on I'm on board with this look. This look is nice. <laughs> She's got the natural hair. It's still got a little volume. It's still the 80s, but like <laughs> yeah, yeah, she looks like she's maybe going to like a fancy black tie event, you know. It's the 80s, so like and she's a businesswoman, so she obviously has to be dressed like a man. You can't do business <laughs> in well, a dress. That's crazy talk. Uh so she has to have the full the full suit on. That was a uh, prescription of the 80s, but so, she's pulling it off. It's it's looking good. So that's really funny that you mentioned that because if you do watch Working Girl, I can't find a good picture of it that I can pull uh, pull it up for you. But there is a scene in the movie where she meets Melanie Griffith's character meets Harrison Ford's character, and the whole reason that uh, he is attracted to her is because she's the only one at this fancy party who is dressed like like a woman, like a woman that he would be attracted to because the rest ah. of them are in are are in the suits and things they're like that. They're in their but power. She's, they're in their she, power. But she's suit. like a, she's like in a like a nice 
like a party dress. But she didn't she didn't realize she wasn't she hadn't climbed the top of the ladder yet. She was no, like this is still ladder. yeah, this is like beginnings of the ladder. Yeah. So she doesn't she doesn't know. She didn't know that in the 80s, like a man couldn't take you seriously unless you had like a whole pillow into in your shoulder. Unless you look like you could physically tackle him, uh, a man was not going to listen to what you're going to say. But she hadn't realized that yet. She she gets there, it seems like, by the end of the movie. <laughs> so, so I think, Morgan, is what, what I'm hearing is I feel like we should do a Working Girl episode. I, super I, feel, I feel like this is a good idea. <laughs> okay. So my pitch is yes. Valentine's Day. <gasps> yes themed because we did we did a uh, pretty in pink one year because uh and this John is Carson. and this is a 1988 harrison ford uh yes i say yes to yeah. this <laughs> yeah yes to working girl yes to love yes to harrison ford <laughs> <laughs> so aj potts we're gonna try it we're gonna maybe i don't know if we'll do like a watch party we could do commentary but then you won't you won't be able to like soak in. The I don't film. know. I don't know that Working Girl is such a cultural touchstone that they'll be like, "Oh yes, that scene." <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we'll just uh, do a regular episode a review where we where we watch it and then we discuss it. But I think we've had a really productive conversation about uh, Working Girl and its connect- connections to Supergirl. Oh my god! I just saw the best uh, the best picture from Working Girl. It's just like it's Joan Cusack and Melody Griffin, and they're in just like what. A appears to be a room with just hair like just hair is everywhere okay (laughs) all i see is hair in this photo so this is what this is what i was talking this is what i was talking about every every (laughs) every female character in this in this movie looks like that (laughs) this this is definitely when we started depleting that uh hole in the ozone for sure (laughs) this is when this started like in earnest (laughs) yes laura said the hole in the ozone layer grew exponentially because of 80s hair yeah, it is quite something. Uh, like I said, uh, I, I I thought this was just a, a, like a Southern U.S. thing. So this was quite eye opening. I mean, I lived through this decade. I'm, you know, I was. I'm not going to say how old I was in this decade, <laughs> but like I should have remembered this. But I don't know. Maybe I've like rep- repressed '80s '80s hair. Only. I remember the hair being like very intense. Uh, but uh, it's it's one thing to remember, and it's another thing to see it. Like. <laughs> This yeah. is intense hair. It is quite something. So, yeah. So the uh, working so, girl, but you com- didn't cry. You didn't cry at the end. I you, I did. She finally I got was, her office. <laughs> I was not. Um. I mean, I was like, I guess maybe she's earned it because she she did some she made some moves that uh, made some money and she impressed some people. So I guess that uh, deserved to be rewarded by the end. Although she was kind of going around what her bosses uh, you know his her boss's wishes were but whatever it's her cinderella story um but you know daryl <laughs> daryl agrees uh saying you're right not it's too not emotional. too too emotional of an ending yeah it's not it's like she got a she got a big high-rise office but i mean okay, i feel great. like i feel like to cat grant i can see cat grant crying at the end of that Kara, i don't see crying at the end of that but for cat she like i could imagine her being like she she made it, baby. Like just, she finally got her big uh, office as an executive. So beautiful. <laughs> God being executive is so great. Like I, <laughs> I just I, I can't imagine that. I'm so glad she finally got her own assistant. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, so Cat, I think would enjoy that. Kara, 
Yeah. But what I like about Kara mentioning Working Girls, that there's a a thread throughout all of uh, Supergirl as a show. It, it sort of stops at some point, maybe halfway, but there's a lot of mentions of movies that Kara watches. Kara is a classic film fan. Her favorite movie is The Wizard of Oz. And so for her to have watched Working Girl, I think is actually very appropriate for her to mention that because uh, Cara Danvers seems to be a, a pretty big movie fan. That um, is true. So, uh, so I like that she mentions that. Although I just, I don't understand the emotional, to, to the point of crying is the thing. Like, even if you thought, hey, good for her. She got that office. <laughs> Are you still going to, maybe I'm just, I'm the judging The tears people. begin. Oh, the office is so beautiful. I'm just, I'm judging people. But uh, anyway, so the office though, uh, if we were to look into the future, <laughs> we never see that office again. Erin uh, points this out in the chat. She said, the office we never see again. And uh, Daryl mentions, uh, the Supergirl wiki page for season two premiere said that the set designers just decided not to remake those sets. What? <laughs> that was it? <laughs> they thought about it. And then they were like, LOL, nah. <laughs> That is because then if story wise, then you go into season two and you're like, well, did Cara not get that promotion? Yeah, because she's she's not in the office. Does she, does she not? Is everything just the same? Well, it's it's funny, too, because arguably. If Kat had stayed around, having Cara in that office would have been logistically hard to tell stories with because you would have to have her like constantly just walking into Cat Grant's office, which she definitely would do. Like she doesn't <laughs> respect any authority. Um but but in season two, spoiler alert, like we lose Cat like pretty early on. And so there's really no reason for her not to have the office. Seems like that would uh be really helpful for Supergirl uh business. Um New Rachel says uh immediately Snapper comes in and is like, you don't even deserve a chair. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> there is that. Um there there's some more uh working girl comments I wanted to bring up. AJ Pot says uh that maybe Kat got emotional about it because she worked her way up. I think that's fair. And then also Laura uh asks, uh, do we not think working the working girl mention was a nod to Callista Flockhart and Harrison Ford being married? I think it absolutely oh. was. Yeah, there are a couple yeah. of Star Wars references as well. Um I think she even says something about how Harrison Ford is calling her. Yes, I in think one of the makes, episodes, she makes a joke about like Harrison Ford wanting to go out on a date with her, but that he's married. And I thought that was funny <laughs> in a very dark way because it's like, oh my god, is he cheating on Callista with Callista? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's definitely a nod to Harrison Ford on behalf of Callista Flockhart. Um, okay, well, Morgan, are there are there any other things that? Um, well, I guess. We could talk about the ending of this episode. Oh, yes. So this is, if you can rewind back to season one and not look ahead, you would not know that the cliffhanger would be repeated. No. Uh, but uh, Over so and over again, <laughs> much like the Hope speech themselves. <laughs> I feel like the, they liked the season one finale so much, they were like, that's it, baby. We got our finales for the rest of the series. <laughs> no, it doesn't have to be that way. <laughs> 
Were you still shocked uh, by the cliffhanger? I was surprised by the cliffhanger. So they're all so happy and they're having like a fun dinner and Kara and James finally kissed and they're like, I can't. It's so amazing to be into each other this way. We'll never feel differently. We're (laughs) always going to have this passion that we have in this moment and it's never going to leave us in a weird, strange way that people can't track. Um, (laughs) And then, of course, something flies out of the sky. What is it? It's a pod. Who could it be? Well, she says it's Kryptonian, which, sure. She says it looks just like hers. That's, or okay, or yes. it's it's either identical or similar to hers. I like that when she opens the lid, she's like, oh, my God. <laughs> and you're like, who is it? It must be somebody she recognizes. It must be very dramatic because she said, oh, my God, like that. And then later on, you just like learn it's Monel. And it was like, <laughs> what was the oh, my God about? Was she like, oh, my God, you're pretty hot. <laughs> That's when she starts rethinking the James thing. She's like, well, you know what? I didn't know that I had this option here that just landed on my doorstep. And now I don't know. Now I don't know so much about us. <laughs> like it's, it does. I, th- I feel like in retrospect her reaction makes no sense whatsoever yeah it makes me wonder if they did not know who was in the pod until they started breaking the season like the summer before oh 100 percent. there was the way that they played that there was no they had no clue who was going to be in that pod and they were like well that's a that's a later problem everybody enjoy your break so I remember there being speculations about who would who would be in there, and I I, I think I remember people suggesting super pets, like some people <gasps> were like, incredible. "What if crypto is in the in the pod?" <gasps> streaky, yeah. AJ Potts in the chat says, "Too bad it wasn't streaky in the pod," but I do remember there were speculations about that, and so when it was like a a human like person in the pod, I was kind of disappointed. I was hoping it was a super pet. <laughs> I feel like there's like a lot of different cool ways that they could have went with like who was in the pod and and we got what we got so that was one way (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i i mean i think oh apparently hagelblast says allura was also a common guess that would have been interesting and cool i i think maybe by then they realized that they wouldn't be able to get laura bonanti i think she was back on broadway or had just had a baby or something so maybe the original i could see that definitely being like an original plan like oh it'll be you know it it was kryptonian it's her mom like that would be a big twist but like then they were like oh never mind we can't do that uh who should we put in there instead well i always thought it was very pointed that she says that it looks like her ship Mm-hmm. It, they had already had Bizarro, so it couldn't be Bizarro. But it would have been cool if it had been a Supergirl-like character, like a like a, another take on. Now they do that with Rain in season. It's at the end of season two, where they also have another pod in the finale to to, yep. to usher to usher in the uh, the uh, the Rain of Rain in season three. <laughs> so I remember we were like this again. <laughs> Little did we know. So it eventually stops with the pods, but for a while there, it was all pods. <laughs> so, so, uh, so I, I did think it was it was a strange way of writing that to say that it looks just like hers um, when it didn't have anything to actually do with her. Um, so that's that's another thing that's a little missed opportunity, I think. Um, 
Rachel says, I saw another article suggesting it could have been Power Girl. That would have been awesome. Which would have been very cool. Um, I, I, I'm sorry. I love this uh, idea so much. Uh, Laura said, a ship with the bottle city of Candor strapped into the... <laughs> <laughs> See, that would have been That would have earned the reaction. That would have earned the reaction. Also, you don't have to pay for a guest star. (laughs) Bottle. It would have been so good. (laughs) Oh, I'm so mad about this now. (laughs) That would have been I'm surprised they never did the bottle city of Candor. They did know they did bottle people in season five. Which was like the closest we got. Yeah. And it wasn't that fun. Like I wanted it to be more fun. Like in the comics, the bottle city is insane. And like that's the level I wanted it to be on the show. They all shrink down and it's it's mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Well, anyway. Uh so that's a little bit of a disappointment, but uh that was a big I remember that being a cliffhanger that everybody was talking about. Who's in the pod? Uh, so that was a pretty big deal for the show. Uh, Morgan, are there any other things that we didn't talk about that you wanted to bring up? Um, I did like, I like the Jean stuff in this episode. I thought it was right. really good. Um, he has a, a really nice conversation with Kara and she gives him like a kiss on the forehead. He really cements himself as space dad in this one. Oh yeah. He, uh, he does that sick uh, breaking indigo into very dramatic um uh save uh, and helps her fight the i don't think she could have fought without martian manhunter i don't think she would have won um and he gets uh he gets named head of the deo again uh which uh, begins uh or starts uh, continues the process of like the head of the deo being like the defense against the dark arts uh, <laughs> teacher where like you can't be head of the deo for very long it is a cursed position uh, and i i love that the, the camera like pans over to lucy who goes like uh like the the face that that jenna gives in that scene where she realizes that like after after all of her hard work like john just got the job back again he was like well don't worry little little one like we'll we'll, we'll keep you on and then like (laughs) and then knowing that next season like lucy's just gone like lucy's just in the wind uh, and then I think my only other thought about this episode is like this, I feel like is where we really begin. We begin the process of like the forgotten of Supergirl. Yes. Because this episode, not just the pod, but like uh, cues up a bunch of things that we will never hear about again. So uh, goodbye, General Lane. Uh, it was nice meeting you. Goodbye, Lucy Lane. It was cool getting to know you. And maybe tragi- most tragically of all, goodbye, Maxwell Lord, who was like a pretty solid like villain with like a little glimmer of like, maybe he's not so bad. And then you're like, no, he is bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because we... We, uh, we never see him again. We Who knows what he ever did with that ome- uh, what was it? Uh, ome- omega um, omega Hedron. Yeah. He, uh, General Lane gives him that thing and he's like, sweet. And then we don't know whatever happened with that. But I'm sure he's <laughs> off like powering a small island somewhere. Or, or a new Wi-Fi. train. Oh my god. He got his own island. He created <laughs> a train. The train goes all all around the island and he just like has drinks and rides the train he is in his <laughs> own version of paradise <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great actually right um, I, w- I would go to that island i would i would ride that train yeah so there are a couple of uh, characters in here we will never get uh, to revisit cat grant we will see again a few times in the series um but uh um 
goodbye to the forgotten of uh, Supergirl. Although one of uh, the characters uh, from season one that uh, we lost tragically, they do acknowledge her her uh, untimely death in Catco in this episode. <sighs> I thought that was a nice Kelly. touch. They all they all look at uh, Kelly's. They look at her desk with with a lot of affection and fondness. It, it is it is kind of weird that like there's this whole. I mean, we don't, we don't know that Kelly is the only one that died because of Myriad. It just kind of feels like she's the only one who died. <laughs> because of Probably like a lot of other people died because they're like their doctor wandered off mid operation or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, oh hey, I, I've got my heart here. Um, uh, wait, wait, that brings up a really good question. That's not to think about like, any of that. What, what if people like had car accidents and? They definitely did. Yeah, they definitely did. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that would have uh, impacted people more than we realized. Yeah, we only we think that only Kelly died, but I think a lot of people in National City uh, like uh, ascended on that day. Um, but yeah, I did. I, I did laugh when they were like, "Look over at the the one desk," and they were like, "Not everyone made it." <laughs> yeah. So, uh, R.I.P. Kelly. R.I.P. Kelly. Uh, Lindsay suggests that, that uh, maybe all the forgotten characters are hanging out in the Bottle City of. Canada. I love that for them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good. That's a better. Maxwell Lord situation. built a train in the Bottle City, and <gasps> it's going great. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a happy ending for everybody all right well uh i think that uh, is going to do it for our discussion on the season one uh rewind of supergirl season one's uh better angels which is the season finale but uh morgan since we didn't get to do any snap judgments in season one uh let's make some snap judgments in the game of snap judgments each person is presented with two options but must only choose one First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. Bigger missed opportunity. Kara's new Catco office or not finding out what Maxwell Lord and General Lane did with the Omega Hedron. I would have liked to have seen the uh, Omega Hedron or the Omega Hedron. Some some people pronounce it differently. I think they pronounce it both ways in Supergirl the movie. But I would have liked to have seen what they would have done with that in the future. So I think that's story-wise. I think I would have been really interested in that. Yeah, I really wanted that like Omega Hedron plot. I think that would have been fun. I think that Max was Maxwell Lord as like a character was like really kind of coming into his own. And I am, I'm sad that they, they were just like, well, I guess we have to leave you behind here in uh, Los Angeles, uh, <laughs> not coming to Canada, I guess. Uh, Cause I do feel like they had like really developed him in a way that like you kind of understood what he was about as a character and also you knew you could not trust him in any way shape or form which is also always like a really kind of a fun villain if they're like somewhat human and you sometimes think like you can get through to them and then they're like ah the power cube <laughs> <laughs> you're like ah you got me again lord <laughs> a missed opportunity for sure um, okay, what was more what was more surprising alex saving supergirl in the pod or Cat Grant saying Kara correctly. Yeah, I think the Kara mentioned is the the bigger thing for me because it always I know it's I know it's coming. I know she does it in the episode, and it's still because there's a little smile that Callista gives her after she <laughs> says it, and I think it's just so well played by Callista. So I think I'm going to say that. 
Yeah, I'm going to go with that one, too, because they kind of telegraph the Alex uh, save thing because she, like, l- dramatically looks back at the pod and then she goes, all right, get on out there. Like, she's just <laughs> like, I, I, don't worry, I got you. Uh, but, like, the uh, the Cat Grant saying Kara's name correctly for, like, one of the first times in the whole show, that I wasn't quite expecting, and I think it was, like, very emotional. Uh, not that, like, Alex saving her sister from uh, from uh, certain death wasn't emotional, but, like, she said her name right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if that had been in uh, Working Girl, I might have gotten emotional and cried I would, about it. Maybe I would have cried. Uh, uh, and then we, we have a snap judgment from Rachel who said, if you were mind controlled by Myriad, who would be more likely to snap you out of it through a hope speech? Kara or Hope the AI? <laughs> hope, it's in the name. It is right in the name. And if and if she's an AI, she can write her own speeches. She can, like, pull things. Maybe she could pull from... What if she Ooh. could simulate a Supergirl Hope speech and make it I sound, bet she could. I, I bet, bet she could. could. She's a real smart AI. Um, <laughs> obviously, I'm going to go with Hope, too, because I think it would be fun to be like, you know, you're, you're in it, and, like, you start to come out of it, and you're like, what pulled me out? And then you hear... Don't give up. Hope ever. Seriously, don't. I haven't done much speech writing before as an AI, but I think this is inspiring you. <laughs> and you'd be like, what? This really, this inspired me? Why is like, there, there a question at the end? Is, is, why is, it not why is she asking? Like, <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like Hope would also give like a really unhinged Hope speech where it would like, it would work, but then like towards the a- end, it would trail off into something like truly insane. So like she would domination start, or something. Yeah, like she would start out being like, we must all have hope, all of us together, working together, killing Supergirl together, <laughs> having hope that she will die. And you're like, whoa, whoa, I was so on board with, but it got weird at the end. She's like, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> well, I want to make it clear. I did not choose Hope the AI. I just think the premise oh, of it is... No, I choose Hope the AI for sure. That's that's who I want snap me out. <laughs> so I think in a realistic way, I think Supergirl can... Uh, have an emotional delivery that I just don't think Hope the AI can, can really bring to the table. Because even if that Supergirl Hope speech was a little cheesy, in my opinion, Melissa was selling it. She was she was she giving it her really all. Sell it. Yeah. So I think if anybody could sell, it's one thing to write the Hope speech. It's another thing to really deliver it. So that, I, that's true. That's true. Hope's delivery would be weird. I, 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 <laughs> That's part of the charm for me. <laughs> you come back and you'd be like, oh my God, I feel like so much hope for my future now, but also, must I kill Supergirl? <laughs> <laughs> we could have set up like a whole different like problem for season two. Ugh, they still should have made Hope the AI one of the big bads. I'm so mad about it. Uh, me too. No judgments on your snap judgments. Okay, and we uh, we got some feedback on the episode. So Daryl wrote in with some thoughts about the about Supergirl season one. Writing, watching this made me remember that we are watching Car's first goodbye tour, but not her last. Over the course of the show, I love the show, but the impact is lessened because we know she's going to be back in a few months each time she does it. Um, General Lane, how is it that Superman is still down for the count? Me, well, General, 
they haven't cast him yet. Uh, <laughs> but true. I mean, the uh, I will say the the way that they frame that one shot where she's talking to Jean and the boots are just continuously in the background, just sitting in the background. Very funny. Very. I don't. I don't think they meant it to be funny. Very funny. <laughs> Supergirl doesn't even acknowledge that he's there. She don't even care. <laughs> She goes in to see how Martian Manhunter is, but she doesn't, she doesn't care even that check Super- on him. She doesn't even acknowledge his existence. It's just a pair of boots in the background. It's so good. It's- uh, I miss season one. Uh, <laughs> uh, Daryl goes on to say, I'm surprised that Kara didn't solar flare during the heat vision fight, but I guess they still needed her to have the strength to take Fort Raz out. This is a really good point, Daryl. I actually thought that too when they were doing their heat vision duel, because Supergirl really has to use a lot of her heat vision during that fight. And uh, yeah, I think Daryl is right. They they got her close, but they needed her to be able to have her powers to go up into space. That's true. Um, crystal ball moment. Kat gives Kara the job of finding her replacement. And in the season two premiere, which presumably takes place the next day after this finale, we see that Kara has picked at, uh, Eve Tessmacher. Is it just me or did Kara just kind of pick the first resume she saw? She probably didn't even interview candidates. Uh, this all feels uh, character correct for Kara, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Uh, Daryl goes on to say, also, Kara just got an office only to lose it in 24 hours, never to be seen again. Uh, that is hilarious. Uh, excuse me, what is the point of promoting Kara if her salary doesn't change? Is she so well paid as an assistant that Kat knows it won't make a difference? And then finally, Daryl says, I have a fair, I have a bad feeling about what's in that pod <laughs> or who's in that pod <laughs> or who is in that pod. I am going to uh, defend Kara in the uh, uh, hiring of Eve, Eve Tessmacher because <laughs> uh, she was a good assistant. Now, did she shoot James in the back in the office? I mean, I seem what? to recall that she <laughs> shot somebody in there. Um, but uh, I think she, you know, for a little while, I think she was a good assistant. I think she did a good job. Yeah, I mean, she was really doing it. Yeah, the murder was bad, but <laughs> up until there, she was great. Yeah, she was great. I think she was a good choice. All right, well, we need to go back to the future into uh, May 16th, 2023. Uh, so that's going to end it for season one, Rewind. All right, and it looks like we need to get to some Supergirl Radio and some DC TV podcast plugs. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Podchaser, and Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the CW Supergirl TV series. We are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. If you like what we do, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy our Supergirl radio live streams, make sure to subscribe to the DC TV Podcast YouTube channel and hit that notification bell to get notified when we go live and wired. DC TV podcast also has a T public store. So if you are in need of new DC TV related t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, onesies, mugs, notebooks, pillows, or stickers, go to supergirlradio.com and click on the T public store link 
at the top of the page. Now see here, Supergirl Radio is part of the DC TV Podcast Network. So if you want to listen to other shows, we've got The Flash Podcast, Legends of Tomorrow Podcast, The Lituation Room, DC on HBO Max Podcast, Stargirl Podcast, Superman and Lois Radio, Green Lantern Podcast, The Sandman Podcast, DC TV After Dark, and Justice League Dark Podcast. And since we talked about the Supergirl season one finale, where Supergirl gave a hope speech and Brainiac 8 did get ripped apart and died, RIP, we have some designs in the Tea Public store we'd like to suggest. Yeah, so there's a design where, uh, Morgan, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you to guess what you think that Kryptonese says in the image that I have. I'm going to guess hope that's correct oh we, my have, God, we, have, we have a shirt in the dctv podcast t public store uh that has hope written in kryptonese and we also have a design that's basically the brainiac design but if you want to uh support brainiac 8 i think it applies as well so definitely go check out uh the designs that we have in the dctv uh podcast t public store we would also like to thank our legion of super sponsors for supporting the Supergirl Radio Patreon. These people are Michael, Anne-Marie, Yvonne, Quinn, Nicola, Abby, Miriam, Nicole, Brian, Ethan, Danny, Tara, and Majuba. If you would also like to support us on the Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash supergirlradio. Got a lot of Patreon content that I need to get up, but that is coming this week. Uh, so if you want to uh, stick around for that, it got good things coming your way. Uh, you can also catch up with me if you want to follow me on the social medias. Uh, you can find me on a platform called Vero True Social. I am there at Derby Kid. And I'm on Instagram at the Derby Kid. So a little bit different, but still me. Um, so you can check me out over there. You can also subscribe to my uh, YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. I'll be taking a little bit of a break until the summer. Uh, when I want to come back with some fresh content uh, after my vacation. So uh, look out for that. Maybe I'll get back to doing some live streaming. I think that would be tons of fun. So uh, just subscribe. And uh, when I have some stuff, I'll let you know. Very cool. Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Mojotastic. And you can also find me as a co-host on the uh, formerly the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, now the Legendary Lady podcast, um, where we just did a, uh, a, a primer for Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, we're now ready, or across the Spider-Verse, I'm so sorry. Uh, we're now ready to see that movie because uh, Kat gave us a Spider-Man 101 lesson. Uh, and I learned so much about Spider-Man and clones and Mary Jane's weird powers, uh, her jackpot powers, did not know any of that stuff. Uh, so it's a really fun If you've ever thought to yourself, like, I know some things about Spider-Man, but I could know more. You definitely could know more. There's so much crazy <laughs> stuff I did not, I was not aware of. Uh, and Kat gave us a great, uh, a great lesson on all things Spider-Man. Uh, and you can also find the Legendary Ladies. Uh, we are on YouTube at the Legendary Ladies. And we're also on uh, Instagram at the Legendary Ladies. So you should follow us. We're trying to do more 
reels. Uh, so we're trying to get that more in there. So I think we just posted one of, uh, you know, why, why Superman? Uh, Amy oh, wanted Spy- to ask, Spider-Man. Why Spider-Man? Amy wanted to ask the who, what, when, where, why. So <laughs> the why question, why Spider-Man? That's uh, a philosophical question. It's a philosophical question. Existential. I, think, I actually think Kat gave like a very philosophical answer to the, the what it was kind of a ridiculous question. So <laughs> you, should def- you should definitely check it out. Uh, and I think um, our next episode, um, which I uh, had to miss out on, um, so I'm ex- excited to listen to it, is uh, about um, how how uh, media like TVs and movies specifically use romances, the, you know, the sort of the will they, won't they, and like when, when couples get together and when they're like never allowed to like say Peter and Mary Jane. That's a, that's a good topic. I, I'd be interested in hearing a discussion on that. Cause there's always those, those, uh, is there's a debate on, you know, do you put them together too soon or do you let it linger out like bones, which took forever and everybody was, I, I feel like, I feel like the uh, the image that they that they uploaded for one of the uh, the like maybe the YouTube stream was like a picture from Bones or something. <laughs> like, yeah, like are you are you gonna are you gonna do a, give them like a normal time frame or is it gonna be like an X Files situation where it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, no, they had a child between episodes five and six. <laughs> it was off screen, so you missed it. Um, you didn't want to see that, did you? It's like <laughs> I just want to see Mulder and Scully kiss. You're evil. <laughs> I forever hate bees because of the X-Files, so. Uh, understandable. But uh, honeybees are so cute. And carpet- they are so cute. But, like, they were about to kiss, and then somebody got stung with a bee, and I was like, that's it, bee. Oh, that's You're true. That's true. I know too much about bees now. I feel like every time we're, we're in the section of Supergirl Radio. <laughs> You're always defending bugs to me now. <laughs> <laughs> It's the problem of working for a natural history museum. Um, but uh, if you don't know, I'll give you a little B fact. The way to uh, decide or to identify which bee, which kind of bee it is, if it's got a shiny butt, it's a carpenter bee. Oh, so you can t- you can identify bees by their butts. Oh, well, which is my favorite thing about bees. The next time I'm gonna, I see a bee, I'm gonna respectfully look at its butt <laughs> and figure out what kind of bee it is. <laughs> I always know uh, which one is a carpenter bee. Look Amazing. For that, look for that shiny butt. <laughs> so that's how you do it. So I'm glad I can bring some bug facts. Also, speaking of which, thanks for asking my question about uh, Spider-Man and what what spider pet would he have? We we got into a whole discussion about spider pets and like which one he would have, and and then we talked about the jumping spider, and I got yeah. to I got to pass along the knowledge of Lucas the jumping spider. He's so cute. He's still so, so cute. cute. But I think uh, Kat go, gave a good answer about that. But I'll I'll just tease it. Everybody should go listen to the episode. If you want to know what kind of spider cat thinks that uh, Spider-Man would have as a pet, you have to listen to the episode. I think it's a good answer. It's probably not what I would have answered, but I think she gave a a more correct answer. Yeah, I was I was surprised, but I was like, no, I I buy that. I buy that. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So I guess enough of the bug talk. This is not um, (laughs) bug facts radio. Uh, That's going to do it for this uh, this episode of Supergirl Radio. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Morgan Glennon, and thanks for joining us for Supergirl Radio Rewind. McGurk! 
I love not typing. Not with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? It's being, becoming a human burrito, a plus or a minus. I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther Boardroom or Ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this show. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio.